You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Well, hello there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. I am Andy. I host the show. Today is episode 303, and today we will be catching up with Droid Bishop. We tend to do this about once a season. I always enjoy uh, chatting with James, and uh, we talk about his latest album, Into the Abstract, and uh, we're going to do that. It's a nice big long chat And of course before we get to that Like every week we have a bunch of awesome music to play There were a lot of birthdays since last week So we're going to do a bunch of those Uh, Some people sent in some letters and stuff But we're going to get through it rather quickly today Because this episode is like a few days late And so I'm uh, recording this intro And I don't want to record for too long So I think I'm just going to (laughs) like In between each track I'll just say hi And then we'll just play another track So we can get to the Droid Bishop because I know that's what you all want to hear, so that's what we're going to do. So, I hope you're all having a lovely day. Happy December. It is December now. I hope you all had a good Black Friday, whatever the hell that means. And uh, let's listen to this. Honeybeard has a new album out, and it's very good, and I'm going to play a track from it. And honestly, I had difficulty picking which one I wanted to play. I'm going with the track Lighthouse, although... Half-Life is also very good, and I was sitting there going, should I play Half-Life or should I play Lighthouse? But Lighthouse feels more like a single, I don't know, whatever, I'll, I'll end up playing them both at some point. But the point is that let's listen to this song. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons, Mike Shima, Chris Dance, Robert E. Bishop, and Mystery Donor. That's right, and now... It's time for Honeybeard with Lighthouse.
And that was Lighthouse by Honeybeard off their new album. Go check it out, Honeybeard. And uh, there's lots of good tracks on there. This might be uh, their best release, in my opinion. So it's uh, worth checking out. And, of course, it was brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Kroner Club. We got Emil and Hampus ML. And then we got Jose Arbello, the King of Hell, and Mike Erdahl with the 56.66, and Tim Carlton, the Golden Boner. And we have lots of birthdays to get to. We'll do it in the next segment. But Barry007, awesome listener and patron of Beyond Synth, pointed out something to me. It turned out that I have like several patrons for the show that all have birthdays on the same day. I think there's like like three or four people who who have a birthday of October the 6th. And I thought that was really weird considering the amount of patrons I have. And then Barry007 said... If you wonder why so many patrons have the same birthday, look up the birthday problem on Wiki. In a group of 23 people, there is already a 50-plus percent chance that two have the same birthday. Insane! So I was like, all right, well, let's uh, let's see what this is. So, again, this is math. According to Brilliant.org, the birthday problem, also called the birthday paradox, deals with the probability that in a set of... N, N being the fucking math, uh, randomly selected people, at least two people, share the same birthday. Though it is not technically a paradox, it is often referred to as such because the probability is counterintuitively high. So basically, it says, by the pigeonhole principle, since there are 366 possibilities for birthdays, including February 29th, it follows that when the N value is greater than or equal to 367 P, and then in brackets, N equals 100%. This is why I failed math. Uh, The counterintuitive part of the answer is that for smaller N, the relationship between N and P, N in brackets, is very non-linear. Now I'm wondering how the hell I even passed math. Uh, In fact, the threshold to surpass 50% and 99% are quite small. So 50% probability is reached with just 23 people and 99% with just 70. So basically, because of this weird birthday problem paradox, if you have 70 people, even though there's 366 possibilities for birthdays you can have, if you have 70 people in a room, there's an almost 100% chance that two of them share a birthday. And you would think, like, the odds would just be crazy because there's so many different options for birthdays. So, all right, so that's the birthday problem. (laughs) Are you more or less confused? Than I am now. But look, uh, well, we got to do birthdays, but first we have to listen to a song, okay? So I got a cool one here from Ash Pool. Ash Pool, all one words. Pool, like a pool you swim in. And uh, this one's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's my semi sonic friend, Jacob Wick. There's the coolest guy in town, City Hunter. Then there's Retro Serenade with the 3333 and Brandon Decker with the 3232. You guys and your past. Pattern donations. I uh, hope you dig this. This is Ashpool with Monochromatic Dreams.
And that was Monochromatic Dreams by Ash Pool. And that's a cool song. I dig that. And it was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the 2666 Club, there's Hugh Hefner. And in the $25 Club, we got Clint Dowling, A Star Apart, Alex Selickson, Blake Peterson, and Cargo Cult Luo. And we are back with Beyond Synth. Let's, I guess, let's do some birthdays. Okay, so even though we are in December, we still have some birthdays from November, from late November that we missed. So, I would like to wish a very belated birthday to Alex Barshop. Alex Barshop is a cool guy, an awesome Patreon supporter. And your birthday was November the 24th. So let's see what happened on November the 24th in history. Hey, in this day in history, Charles Darwin published The Origin of Species, radically changing the view of evolution and laying the foundation for evolutionary biology in 1859. So there you go, Alex. Do you plan on releasing any uh, seminal works people are going to look back on in a hundred years and go, can you believe that this was the date that Alex Barshop released that awesome book on the origin of Alex Barshop? Ooh, in 1874, American inventor Joseph Glidden patents barbed wire. Barbed wire has a patent? It must have lapsed, right? Just like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's like, after a hundred years, the patent goes away, so I can make cartoons with Mickey Mouse and I can make my own barbed wire without, get, without getting sued by the Glidden estate. And then there's a happy birthday to Johnny Five. That's right. I chatted with him once on the show. You know, occasionally I like to have my patrons on the show and see what they're all about. I've got a lot of very interesting people who support this show and Johnny Five is a cool guy his birthday was November 28th so I tell you what Johnny Five let's look at what happened in November 28th in history and hopefully it was nothing bad because every time I go look at this list they're always telling me about Hitler and Mussolini and all these other people so let's see in 1582 playwright and poet William Shakespeare marries Anne Hathaway what? Hey, William Shakespeare was only 18? He married a 26-year-old. Hmm. Oh, here you go, buddy. The first car race in America in 1895. America's first auto race organized by the Chicago Times-Herald. Chicago to Evanston and back. Six cars, 55 miles. Frank Duria wins, averaging seven miles an hour. <laughs> That sounds like a pretty awesome race. Seven miles an hour? Isn't that like the speed I walk? I can do 6K an hour if I walk. Oh, no, never mind. A mile is like a half a kilometer, so seven miles would be 12. Okay, so that would be faster than I can walk. So disregard my joke, but don't disregard my birthday message. You're a cool guy. Thanks for supporting the show, and happy birthday to you. Let's listen to another track. I got one here from Shadowrunner, which you're all going to dig, and it's a cool time. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. Eurobeat intensifies Honeybee. Beard, Jimmy the Hot, and Johnny Five. 
Dave, look at that. Cool guy. All right, listen to this. This is Shadowrunner from the album The Stranger, and this track is called Alone in the Dark, featuring Trenton.
And that was Alone in the Dark by Shadowrunner featuring Trenton. Whenever I see the word Trenton, I just think of Perfect Dark on the N64 because was there a character called Trenton or was he just called Trent? Ah, shit. Now I gotta look this up because he was the character who looked like me. Trent Easton. I played a shitload of Goldeneye, and then when Perfect Dark came out, it was awesome because one of the characters' faces actually looked like my face. And so it was like, oh, they made this game for me. They made me this character with this... Anyway, but then when they did the HD remake, he didn't look like me at all. So that sucked. Anyway, look, that song was cool. It was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. And we have a returning patron. That's right. It's Mr. Joey Richards. It's always nice to bring people back to the fold. Joey Richards is a cool guy. Um, I believe they used to be on here under Joey and Kendra, but now Joey's like, No, man, it's all me, baby. I'm the one. Kendra's busy in the background, but I'm the one who cares about the synth, and I want the world to know it. So thank you, Joey Richards, for supporting Beyond Synth. Uh, I know you're cool. You know you're cool. And, uh, And that is the bottom line. So Joey Richards, happy day. And speaking of happy days uh we got some more birthdays to do so i would like to wish a happy birthday and these are all belated by the way because <laughs> i'm terrible hey at the end of november it was ollie ride's birthday you know ollie ride he's a talented dude he's actually doing live shows right now i was just chatting with Stu from outland who's been uh organizing those events and stuff so uh Stu's a cool guy and ollie is a very talented gentleman of course he was on the show was that the start of this season or the start of last season I don't even remember. The point is, uh, he's always fun and uh, puts out great music, so go check out the music of Ollie Ride, and happy birthday to Ollie Ride. And then, another belated birthday, at the start of this month, the one we're in, December, it was Sunglasses Kid's birthday, and I forgot to wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> So I'm doing it now. Edward, you're a cool guy. Uh, thanks for coming back and chatting on the uh, the episode 300. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, of course, you can always catch Sunglasses Kid on Instagram. He does a lot of live streams where he just sort of uh, freestyles and vamps, as it were. He's very talented at doing that. So he can do that shit really quick. And it's fun to watch. He just throws on a patch. Because a lot of people in the, in the scene, I believe, can't necessarily, like, play piano. It's a lot of just inputting the notes into your DAW with your mouse and clicking and stuff. So it's always nice to see people who actually, like, you know, can play. So it's fun to watch uh, Edward do that. Anyways, the point is, happy birthday, man. And just a quick little reminder that I am older than you. No matter how mature you sound with that British accent, I am your senior. <laughs> Even though I sound and look like a child. Uh, but the point is, uh, happy birthday, buddy. And finally, happy birthday to awesome patron Caffeinated Pixels, whose birthday it is on the day I'm recording this, December the 6th. And hopefully, I will also be releasing this episode on December the 6th. That's why I'm trying to do this real fast. Because once the episode is edited, I have to listen back to it and make sure that the sound processed so we don't have another rerun of the old fucking stereo tool debacle from last year. For those of you who are unaware, uh, my program, for some reason, the license disappeared. And so I rendered out my episode and posted it, thinking it was done. And then every two seconds, some guy kept on popping on going, This audio is processed. 
by Stereo Tool. And he had like this weird accent for some reason. Anyways, happy birthday to you, caffeinated pixels. Let's very quickly see something that happened on December the 6th. Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin is the first magician to perform in a theater in formal clothes, a format followed by many of his successors. Oh, and that's how Harry Houdini got his name, based on this dude. He was born in 1805 on this day. Ooh, you share a birthday with Stephen Wright, American stand-up comedian, born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. There you go, Stephen Wright's a funny guy. Ooh, an American director and producer, Judd Apatow. Made some funny things. Oh, and in 1877, Thomas Edison records himself reciting Mary Had a Little Lamb. Weren't you just telling me how much you love that poem? So it all comes full circle. You're always saying, oh, Andy, I love Mary Had a Little Lamb. And on 1877, Thomas Edison recorded himself saying it. A historic day in science and poetry recital. That's very exciting. Oh, and in 1964, it's the first time Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer aired on TV. That's a classic. A Christmas classic. Okay, look, let's listen to some more music, and uh, we're going to do the do. So happy birthday uh, to you, Caffeinated Pixels. You're a cool guy, and thank you for supporting the show. Hope you all like this cool song from Electron Odyssey from the album Your Future Awaits. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Kempson, Ken Giroux, Mr. Magoo Samurai, Neverman, Restless Nights, Techno Ben, and of course, Forged in Neon with the 2049. And this is Electron Odyssey with The Way Forward. Yeah. 
That was the way forward by Electron Odyssey. That's right from the album "Your Future Awaits," and that was brought to you. Uh, you know what? Uh, Ross Bruce sent in a lovely gift. Ross Bruce is a cool guy, and he sent a note. He says, "To the last family, Happy Yule! May Odin bless you all this season." So there you go, a happy Christmas message from Ross Bruce, who sent in a, a lovely Christmas gift to the show. So thank you, Ross Bruce. You're a cool guy, and I always appreciate all the Bruces I know. So, okay, uh, a little housekeeping. Hopefully everything is going to get back on track in the new season in regards to the schedule of this show. I know, like, I say this every week. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be once a week. Lately, it seems like the show has been coming out every eight to nine days instead of seven. So, just so you know, I'm not taking a break this year, so we're just going to plow right through into next season. But basically, you know that there's certain types of episodes that take a little longer to produce, like the family shows and the look at Christmas episodes. And, you know, with episode 300 falling in the middle, and now that we're in December, and now that it's been, you know, several months since there was a family show, we basically had episode 300, and then a few weeks later, I have to either do a family show or a look at Christmas, which all require a lot of work. And even just the organization of these shows requires lots of work. So... It just means that the schedule is going to be a little bumpy until the end of the season, and then hopefully it should all rectify itself. But just so you know, I've been recording lots of interviews the past few weeks, so there are lots of uh, fun shows to come. Uh, lots of people who haven't been on the show before, which is good. We did record another family episode, although I'm not sure when that one will air, but it will air at some point. And just so you know, we're all getting along. Uh, Mike and I didn't fight in this one. Although, he does go into this stupid thing, and he gives everything, like, a five-star, and he's only doing that just to counteract the fact that I hate everything. Anyway, whatever. We'll... we'll <laughs> you can hear that on the next Family Show. But uh, we, we do have a lot of fun things planned, so that is uh, going to be a good time. And another thing that's also messing with the schedule a bit is I have decided to stop giving money to companies that make me do the subscription model. So I'm not going to use Adobe anymore because I'm tired of this, like having to rent the software instead of owning it thing. But unfortunately, since I love After Effects so much, finding other software that's comparable is very difficult because that program is actually really awesome. <laughs> and it just bothers me that I pay like, you know, it's almost like 400 bucks a year just to use that one program. And then there's some months where I don't even use it. I use it for like, you know, 20 minutes once a week to do the uh, the cover art for the, the Beyond Synth podcast. And so when I sit there and look at my bill and go like, I paid 35 bucks this month to use this one program so that I could do basically what I could have done in Photoshop. Like, so what's happening is I'm trying to learn all of this new software simultaneously. And it is, again, it's just another, another stumbling block as we're trying trying to keep the show on schedule but the point is that uh there's more coming and uh you know we'll be talking to droid bishop later so there's lots of fun stuff planned so stay
stay tuned and and I hope the schedule bumpiness isn't uh, uh, upsetting you all too much because of course I, I make this show for you to enjoy so I don't want you to be like where the hell's the new episode uh, anyways let's listen to some music I got a cool one here from Fury Weekend from the album Signals uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $20 club there's Joshua Winter and Chatterack and with the 1988 it's Waylon Geo Geospatial and with the 1986 it's Toots or Toots? Toots or Toots? what do you want it to be? I think it's Tuts we're gonna say Tuts come here Tuts Toots anyway look listen to this song It's only in my dreams by Fury Weekend featuring King Protea.
And that was Only In My Dreams by Fury Weekend featuring King Protea. Of course, we listened to King Protea last week, her voice singing on an arcade high track. So it's always fun, all this interconnection when, you know, artists feature on other people's things and... I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Anyway, she's got a cool voice. And, of course, you can hear her. She's been on the show before. Uh, She was a guest, I think, was it this season or last season? Wow, the dementia's setting in, man. It's it's happening. Well, hey, what do you expect? All right, this is episode 303. I've done 303 episodes of this show. Sometimes it's a little difficult to remember what season things took place in and what was going on. But the point is that I think I need to cancel my Adobe subscription right now or else they're going to bill me for December. I think it falls right today. Even as I'm recording this, there's all this stuff happening all over the place. It was my son's birthday today and I had to assemble a chair... Got him a computer chair, and so I was assembling that all night. And after it was all assembled, I suddenly realized the thing makes, like, squeaky noises. This chair's gonna drive me nuts. I'm gonna hear it in the background all the time. Squeak, squeak. I'm trying to figure out how to make it not squeaky. But you know when you get, like, computer chairs, if they're made of, like, there's, like, a certain type of rubbery whatever material, and it just squeaks when you press it. I don't know. I'm very sensitive to squeaks. I don't know about you people. Are you guys sensitive to squeaks? Squeaks and creaks and all that stuff. The house I grew up in was a, it's an old Victorian house, and all... All the floors kind of make a creaky noise. And I remember when I was a kid trying to be quiet because my dad would always wake up. He's always waking up all the time like we were being too noisy. And like I was not noisy, but just the way the sound carried in that house. And every time I try and be quiet, okay, I'm going to go upstairs without fucking disturbing anybody. And then every single door in the house fucking creak, like every single step on the stairs, like creak, creak, creak. It's like the house was made of fucking styrofoam or something, you know, just like everything made a sound. And um, why am I saying this? Yeah, I get annoyed by sounds. How about you? Write in in the comments. (laughs) I don't want any comments about music on the show. I just want people to talk about the sounds that annoy them. So that's mine, man. Creaky floors, creaky doors. But I tell you what sounds I love is the sounds of awesome music. So let's listen to one more track, and then we will go chat with Droid Bishop. I got an awesome one here from Daytona Dreaming. Retro Reverb Records sent this over to me in the summer, but I remember it was weird because they sent it to me like two or three months before the album came out. Like, I got the thing in, like, July, and it was like, so the album comes out in October. October or something. I was like, what the hell? And I got so confused that I never played it. And every time a Daytona Dreaming song came on the playlist, I was like, well, this album's cool. But then I would remember like, oh, wait, I can't play this yet because it doesn't come out for several months. So anyways, Daytona Dreaming. It's a cool song. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the 1985 Club, the Buchelman Sisters, Sarah and Rachel. We got Gene Creamer Private Eye with the 1515. Then there's Mads Baron Christensen. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane. And this is Daytona Dreaming with Mona Daytona.
And that was Mona Daytona by Daytona Dreaming from the album Last Call. And now it is time to go to my conversation with Droid Bishop. So I hope you're all having a lovely day and I hope you enjoy this chat. And uh, yeah, let's do it. This is Droid Bishop. All right. Well, I am here right now with Mr. Droid Bishop. Hello. Hello, sir. Good to be here <laughs> with you. So, man, look, we haven't talked in a long time. How long has it been? About a year. We talked last year, right? Once a year is good. Did we Did we have a chat during COVID? I don't think we did. I think we did. I think we talked when I came out with some tunes last year, but I don't know because it's all blended together. Well, look, we're talking now. That's the main thing. Yeah, let's ask our audience to figure that one out for yeah. us. <laughs> Send us the results. I should health, know. Health check passed. <laughs> I love wasting so much time on a question that I should know oh, the I answer know. to. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. how many uh, listeners did we lose just then? Oh, dude, I've been losing listeners this whole time since this thing started. Well, rack them up. So how are things up north? Uh, they're fine. Elaborate. <laughs> Well, today was an okay day. Not that I like to uh, tell people when I record these shows, because you know they often air weeks after I record them, but uh, oh, I, live. I got a refund. I, uh, I was so disappointed with the Grand Theft Auto Remastered Edition that I called Sony for the first time in my life and asked for a refund, and I got it. So refund and keep the game? I don't want to keep the game. <laughs> like, it's not even... So a, it's, a, it's a true unsatisfied customer there's no angle there's no hustle there's just i'm disappointed and i want retribution yeah man All right, if I, there's any hustle it. going on it's fucking rockstar games those stupid assholes think they can fucking pawn off this iphone bootleg piece of shit version of grand theft auto is terrible i saw it recently pop up and of course i was interested in uh checking out the vice city one but you're telling me it's garbage the main issue here is it's not actually a remaster see i'm very easy to please you know me you know i'll play goldeneye still on a computer and the characters are all blocky and shit and it doesn't offend me because that's just the way the game was and if you play with an emulator you can boost the resolution there's all these things you can do right this game it's not a remaster of like the playstation game it's like some company did like a port, like a Grand Theft Auto like iPhone port, like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And this is like an upscaled version of that. So it doesn't feel like Grand Theft Auto. I can't explain it any better than that. Like the second I started playing it, my first instinct was it felt like that Simpsons game, Simpsons Hit and Run, that was on GameCube and the PlayStation oh, 2 and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun for one one playthrough. That wasn't necessarily a bad game, but the issue is, for me, Grand Theft Auto 3 has always been my favorite, and that game has a particular look. It's, like, very dingy. It's, like, grays and browns, and it has, like, this mist in the air the whole time. Yeah. And um, this version, it's, like, colorful and cartoony, and there's no mist, and it didn't even... Like, dude, I have a PlayStation 5, and this thing ran with, like, a shitty frame rate, and there's, like, nothing on screen. All the buildings are rectangles. There's no detail. Not only was it like a, a disappointing, weird remake that wasn't even like the actual game. But you can look at pictures online of like the way some of the characters look in this one. And apparently, if the story is correct, there's uh, they basically just ran it through like an algorithm to like up convert the thing with like new character models where it just like did it. Just some 
generic like this one size fits all up, exactly like, update it, for characters yeah and it does feel generic so in a it was so strange because Grand Theft Auto to me has a certain atmosphere and mood and when I first booted up GTA 3 it just felt all wrong it just felt like I was playing some generic game that was like made by amateurs like it just didn't feel like Grand Theft Auto it's not a question of rose colored glass you know you know we're all big in nostalgia right so people are like oh you, you just don't you just don't remember that the games used to be shitty and all this stuff and I'm like dude I still have the other games on my PlayStation I I literally I played, booted them yeah. up last week. The only reason why I... Weird, weird, different versions, like the phone version of Vice City, and, you know, it's always going to be different. I I remember the original Vice City feel and all the... And GTA 3, you know, I can still play those games. Like, they don't feel weird. So I did boot up Vice City, like, last week, and I did go, oh, you know what? Like, the controls are really weird on those old games, to the point where it is difficult to play, like the aiming and stuff, because, like, you're shooting with square... And it's not a shooting game. Yeah, it's not. It's it's so <laughs> all I really wanted from these remasters, they could have looked exactly the same. And all I wanted was just give me the third person aiming controls, like where you aim with yeah. the thumbstick and stuff, and you know, drive by holding trigger like you do in modern games. And like I would have been satisfied with that. Like honestly, they didn't need to up convert anything. I mean, you know, like Mario sixty four, they did like a re release of that on the Nintendo, and like they did barely anything. They basically just made some of the text more readable, but all the polygons were still the same. They didn't up res anything, and it was fine because Believe the game's me, fine. I spend sixty bucks every year for a new FIFA, where it's just like, hey, new uniforms, mm. and like like barely any updates, and all you know, you you pay for just the smallest. De- they know what they're doing. Yeah, they like. I'll buy it every year. I'll buy it. Even though, even though I'm a sheep, it's fine. This is the first time I've ever been like, you know what? Like, I got to send a message to this company, man, because I won't stand for this shit. (laughs) I got to send a message. Well, you know, stand up for your rights, man. (laughs) Goddamn, these capitalist pigs over at Rockstar. (laughs) You know, I mean, don't yeah. You these know, fucking EA, Washington EA, fat cats trying to fuck me over. EA game, same way, you know? Just like these capitalist fat cats over there. And, and you know, I, I hate when I have to admit in a certain area that, like, hey, they got me and I'm a consumer sheep and I admit it and I'll do what they ask me to do. I'm not going to not buy their product because I'm hooked on it. Like, they got me and I can't deny it, you know? That's the way I am with uh, video game consoles and even computers like every time they like I'm sitting there I'm totally satisfied I can do everything I need to do and then when they're just like oh but the M1 Pro chip well that can render you know then I'm like oh fuck no I want that thing and like I don't like I hate that I'm I literally just got a Nintendo Switch the OLED version do I need an OLED Switch? Nope. Well, I but have you it. wanted it, yeah. so you got it. I feel like I have that same thing and the thing is I'm not a rich man right so like every time I feel this urge to get, like, the new thing. I literally have to start selling everything else I have to, <laughs> to like, get the other thing. Like, Well, that's fair. Rather than just, like, racking up a bunch of shit and, like, credit cards or sleeping on the couch, wife's pissed, you know. <laughs> like, dogs yelling at you. Yeah, that's the one thing. Like, I do I do try and sell everything, like, I'm not using anymore. But it's, yeah, it's I hate that I'm, I'm there. Like, I... I am stuck in the consumerist loop where I want the new thing and I just wish they would just stop making the stuff. Like, I wouldn't want the new computer if if I just knew that I had, like, the near top-of-the-line thing and they just go, you know what? This is all we're going to produce for the next three years and in three years' time we'll do an upgrade or whatever. Like, 
then I wouldn't care. It, unfortunately, in like the tech world where technology, by definition, is just always growing and changing, certain things are forever going to be updated. And you want that, you know, you want those graphics to be better, more realistic, all these things. But there are certain things, like to me, certain guitars or whatever, you can't improve on. Like the, it's been done. Like an old one, this one sounds great. You can't get better than that. You can try, and people can put new designs on things. But certain things can't get better. I don't think, or you kind of like yeah. decline sometimes. I don't know. Well, you're right, and that's the problem is because then I will end up buying these like stupid incremental upgrades. Yeah, that are like, just kind of like yeah, they they're they're placeholders. <laughs> yeah, because like the the Nintendo Switch OLED, it's the same system. It just has a nicer screen and like a better kickstand if you want to set it on your table or whatever, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. It is a nicer screen though. The screen is nice. I'm I'm playing the Metroid game and it's uh, it looks good. No, I mean always the little updates are nice. You know, you you they're nice enough for you to stick around and be like, well, like that screen is nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they did make that screen nice <laughs> as you're paying the bills. Yeah, but, man. Uh, you know, I, I wish, understand. but you're, you're absolutely right. Like when it comes to, like musical instruments and stuff like that, it's like. That's what I always think about in terms of even like as video editing and stuff. I'm like, well, they were making movies years ago and they were they, people were doing special effects with like After Effects version 1 of course. and editing videos with like Avid version 1. So it's like theoretically we could still do our art with the tools that we had years ago. People were still making great music, even electronic music on computers even, you know, like fucking decades ago. So like yeah, arguably better things. Yeah. <laughs> In movies and whatever. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are all tools. We, you know, we know that they're tools, and you know more than anyone. Like After Effects version one through whatever version they're on now, it's basically just like more shortcuts, more things to do things easier, more. But the mental ideas were already there for the creators before. Now it's just like easier to implement what you have in your head a bit more, you know? Yeah, that's what makes the stuff that was great in the past even more impressive. Like, I was watching one of those episodes of Corridor Crew on YouTube and they were trying to recreate, like, special effects from Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, like, they don't have a lot of time or whatever, their whole thing, but I mean, like, when they tried to do the Robert Patrick walking through the fucking bars, their version looked like shit. Seems like they got a lot of time. If you know what I'm saying. And the Terminator 2 one, you know, 1991, or they're doing the effects in like yeah. 1990, and it still looks awesome. Well, we've talked about this, I'm sure, where I think certain things still look better uh, around that kind of time. Like uh, Jurassic Park, to me, uh, overall as a movie, looks better than a lot of stuff coming out today because of also the limitations and the blending with animatronics and puppetry. And so you kind of have this seamless blend of like, wait, is that a computer? Wait, that looks like a real thing. Like, you know, when it was the close-up shot, so you're kind of being fooled just like, you know, the shark and Jaws. Like, that movie works because there was no CGI and that machine wasn't working and they had to, like, hide it. If, if there was CGI sharks back in 1974 <laughs> or whatever that movie was, like we wouldn't be talking about that movie. I just love. <laughs> <That> would- <laughs> I just love posing that question. If there were CGI sharks in 1970, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man. How about this? Let's uh, talk about this new album, and we're going to listen to a track. Okay, we can just breeze through this and get back to these CGI sharks. That'd be great. But I want to listen to uh, this track. It's called "Dancing in the Darkness," and. It's uh, it's awesome, and then we'll be back. This is a uh, Dancing in the Darkness by Droid Bishop.
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Dancing in the Darkness. And I'm here right now catching up with Droid Bishop. With the CGI shark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> catching up with my favorite CGI shark. <laughs> so I guess how 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 is your... Um, How's my career going? <laughs> it's in the toilet, Andrew. No, it's uh, everything's fine. Well, you good? Everything's good? You're good, right? Yeah. I mean, nothing's really changed since... I'm pretty sure we spoke a year ago, but that's debatable, and we'll figure that out later. But uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much this year seems a little more less dark out there, figuratively, like, you know, whatever. It's a bit more open here and there, but still, I'm still kind of an indoor kind of reclusive person just because things aren't really that open or fun. I don't like to go really to theaters or concerts. Like, I don't like to wear a mask, like, just comfort-wise, so I don't want to go do something where I have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless it's, you know, something important or something valuable, like, you know, I'm pretty selective, I guess. So there's nothing really for me to do other than make music and other things. So I kind of just popped out some more tunes over the year and continually doing that already right now. And just so we'll speak again soon, you know. You were on episode 250. 250. What episode is this? 300 and... This will be 303? Because I just had the 300th anniversary. That was the seven-hour show. And then this is the... We're back to normal again. Okay. The new normal. The whatever is going on out there is... Yeah. Why is me? I don't know. I feel like there's also weird pressure. Different types of people that you know, like... Some people like, come on, let's, why don't you hang out and do anything anymore? And you kind of, I kind of wish that it was acceptable still to never see anybody ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I had a weird thing because I haven't really been going out. Now, really, I don't go out that often anyways. So yeah. my social life before COVID was once a month, I went to the barcade called Tilt and occasionally maybe also out to an outing where people were going for drinks at like the barcade across the street from the other barcade. So strictly barcades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and and I would go to synthwave shows if there was like people playing or whatever. But I'm still not, I, would, I never really liked crowds in the first place. And so I tend to prefer like smaller venues or... I'm more of a pub setting guy. Like, I like to talk. I don't like to yell yeah. uh, and not hear people. And so I went to a show, and this was the first show I had been to, and it was like last month. And I still felt weird because, like, now you're so self conscious about the droplets, right? And when you're in a place at a venue where people are playing music, and then everyone has to talk really close to each other and really project in order to hear each other. So then I found myself just feeling kind of awkward about the whole thing. I'm just like, I mean, I'm here. I came out, you know, I'm not too afraid to go out. But I still was like kind of leaning back from people and just finding it awkward that like, but I have to yell at you. Yeah, it's, you know. I mean, I already kind of have developed somewhat of more social anxiety characteristics over the years, maybe due to, you know, having drank in a couple of years. And I don't know, you never know if it was there before and you just were fine being an alcoholic and very social. I don't know. But, uh, and then just now it just seems more kind of, there are more boxes and limitations for you, for your anxiety to kind of like bounce around in. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, so it's kind of not worth it for a lot of situations. And I, I also, just feel like some people don't understand that or I don't know I think some people want to get back to this normal thing or whatever that is and being out and, and events which I totally get it's not like I don't like having fun at all I'm lucky we enjoy our kind of indoor nerd tech life that we can have a lot of fun 
on, you know? Yeah. But it just seems like a, like just too much sometimes for me with big crowds. Like I kind of need to know like who's going to be somewhere, what's going on. I'm not worried so much about health things so much, you know? I saw John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl and uh, thank God like the music was so good. You can still kind of like have a good time, but it was so uncomfortable just like, because like, you know, th- this is a orchestral show where you're sitting down and it's not really room for you to kind of just like get away with pulling your mask off and being rowdy and all that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> making sense. But physically, just for me, it was uncomfortable. I couldn't enjoy. You're trying to escape listening to the E.T. theme and all you can think of like, dude, like I can't breathe right now and I'm warm and just want to go home and listen to this on the fucking CD player. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a CD player. I don't even know why I said that. No. On I, the old A-track. Uh, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Like, And I got to just quickly say that whatever you do, this isn't about anything other than what, like me just being uncomfortable in public. This has nothing to do with some bullshit people want to spin or anything. Oh, no, like fuck. That. No, no, you no. Know no, no. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everyone's free to do or think what they want to do. I mean, yeah, because I've always had, I have like a list of things of, of my social anxieties, you know, like I've, I've always been one of those people that has to sit in an aisle seat in the movie theater uh, because yeah, so I need get out when you need. Yeah, like, I just need to know. <laughs> and as long as I know I can leave, then I'm fine. Yeah, I've always been like that, right? I can feel socially claustrophobic in a giant space. As soon as you tell me I can't leave. Exactly. And that, I've always had that. And so I don't like being in situations where I feel like I can't quite see the exit or I, I don't yeah. know my out or whatever. So the one thing that I actually enjoy from the uh, the new normal of COVID is I like that, um, that people, I don't know if they do this in the States, but they do this here. People are like really moving out of other people's way. Like when they're walking down the sidewalk now. Yeah. Yeah, they do that too here. I used to do that myself. Like, whenever people were walking down the sidewalk, I kind of would make a wide thing, or I would even start walking on the grass, you know, to give people space. I always just kind of did that, and now I love that everyone's doing that, so I don't have to be the one to, like, be the weird guy who looks like he doesn't want to be near people. Now, everybody, if I'm walking down the sidewalk, everyone's fucking, like, going to the side and moving around and getting away from each other, and I'm like, this is fucking great, because I always hated, (laughs) like, having to walk past too close to people, like, in the sidewalk and lining up so close to people at the grocery store and shit. I mean, I'm cool with that, too, but... I'm also on the uh, sometimes have these contradictory thoughts of which I still like to give opportunity and 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 look up and have that moment of uh, like saying hello to someone or like or like nodding recognizing another human as you pass if you will which I think some of these niceties and manners are gone you know so it's kind of a weird thing where where i do have these social sometimes i I'm, i go on a lot of walks you know and, and sometimes i'm like i hope i don't see anyone walking on this little street right now yeah you know like i have those moments but then i also have the moments where if i do see someone and we have a moment of like hello or like nice day kind of small talk my day is much better and i'm smiling walking away whether in my head or you can see it you know what i mean yeah going to the social anxiety thing i do like being social like talking with people it's not like i'm uncomfortable being with people or having a good time i just kind of lack of a better phrase like to control or at least understand the narrative of the situation there's a word for this um, because this is what I am. Like, I'm a social person, but I have my own rules. And so it's like, if I go to a party, I don't mind. I'll walk around, bounce around, talking to all sorts of people. As long as I know in my head, 
when I want to leave, I'm going to leave. Like, I'm not beholden to someone else's rule. Because when I was yeah. young, um, I don't drive. And so my friends, I would always be reliant on my friends to drive to parties. And growing up, I used to really dislike that. But I didn't know what that feeling was at the time. That thing where we'd go to a party. And if I wasn't having fun, there was nothing I could do about it. Because it's like, well, we're, we're leaving once fucking Matt wants to drive home. Then we're leaving, right? So I got to stick around. Once I started going out on my own and going to parties by myself. I just enjoyed it so much more because, like, yeah, I can have a good time and have fun, and you know what? If I'm fucking done by, like, 11.30, and everyone's like, oh, we want to go to this fucking stupid place now, and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I can go home, and I feel like I got my fix. I feel like, for me, I do like a good social event, but I don't need them as often as maybe other people do. I feel like... My in my ideal world, if everything was like going smoothly and like I had like you know a big big uh, friend group here that we always went to hang out or do things, it would be like every two weeks maybe we'd have like a get together at a pub and maybe once a month for like a loud kind of music gathering or something, you know. And then I would pretty much be satisfied with that. Yeah. And for the rest of the time, I'm cool just hanging out at home. Honestly, like when I stopped drinking. Things just are different. Like you don't want to do certain things. Part of me, I, I never miss the feeling of drinking. Too. Like I don't think about it in, in terms like that. Like, man, I wish I could drink. It's not like that. But I do think of times where, you know, oh man, like those those were some good times. Or, or going out to like you know a, a, a show and, and or a bar and having some like a good like party time. Those things aren't there, and I don't want to like really be in those like loud rowdy environments when i'm super straight and analyzing the shit out of everything <laughs> you know what i mean like i i'm not saying for anyone how they live their life i'm not like anti-alcohol or having a good time everyone's got their own issues and moderation and all that stuff but uh you know just there's places i don't want to put myself in and they're they're boring and some people just don't understand that i've got people in my life that like don't understand how i'm so satisfied not going out yeah you know what i mean i'm so satisfied like i don't know we all have things to do and everything i need to accomplish is kind of in the room i'm in right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there is a word for it, though, because I read this stupid article, and it's something dumb like a fucking introverted extrovert yeah, or something. Yeah, it's something like that. that. You're an extroverted introvert. That's what I am. I can be by myself, and and I'm, I'm self-contained, and I don't feel lonely in the same way as other people do. But I, especially when I used to drink and party, like I was like Chris Farley kind of guy. Like always having to, I wasn't like shy drinking guy. I was, I like to have a good time, mm. have fun, make jokes and, and, you know, and that's still the same case, just not wasted out of my mind. But that's kind of, you hide, you're kind of awkward too. Like you're kind of, you're telling jokes and making sure there's always kind of fun going on. So like there's no awkward silences and there's no weird, sh you know, I don't know. You can't trust like weird Larry in the corner. If he gets a hold of this conversation, it's going to get fucking weird or boring. Because we don't know about your baseball stats, Larry. Weird Larry in the corner. Yeah, whatever, you know. No, it's exactly right. It's like, because there's some people when I think of like introverts who don't enjoy being around people and I, what I, I love the energy of people. I think it, this is a weird thing for me. I don't know how to necessarily explain this, but it's like, I've always liked having people around. I just want to deal with them on my own terms. That's what TV's for. TV people. Well, because <laughs> no, it's like, I like the idea, like if I lived in like a building with a whole bunch of people where you knew your neighbors or even roommates for that matter, like roommates are shitty because there's, you know, chores that don't get done. And that was always frustrating. But I always, yes, but I always liked the idea that there were people around 
but you only had to deal with them when you had to deal with them. If I go into the living room and there's a dude in there, like one of my roommates, I can have a conversation or I can walk away. I'm only really uncomfortable when I'm sort of forced into situations where I'm like forced to have a social interaction. But for but my ultimate thing is just to be like, I want people to be around so when I want to talk to them, they're there. But when I don't talk to them, they're not offended that I'm not talking to them because they know I need my personal space. Yeah, I'm the same way. But I, I'm realizing more now these days, even thinking about it today, that the weird stuff that we kind of require from other people to understand us maybe and <laughs> like in this similar area, I think that we relate to, it's just, it's too much to ask for people. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like we have to admit that we want people in kind of a weird, selfish, controlling way. It's like, we don't want you around until we want you yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it is selfish, but it's like, hey, man, everyone's got their thing. You know, no one's perfect. Yeah. So, you know what? Fuck people. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Let's listen to another track. I want to listen to Silver Screen. Hit it. And, uh, and then we'll keep talking, man. This is Silver Screen by Droid Bishop.
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Silver Screen. And I'm here catching up with Droid Bishop, having a good time. Uh, why don't you uh, talk to me about that one? A lot of that track, I had found pieces and parts from an old song that I never put out. Maybe 2015, going through some old demos from there and saw some random parts I wanted to use and just mixed it up with some other fresh ideas and uh you know why waste brain energy when there's good ideas lying around you know it's like an old car just pull parts and rebuild that old beauty yeah man you know what i'm saying that's my catchphrase i like that there's this little there's a little two second thing that sort of reminded me of the scarface score someone has said that too it's a little bit at two minutes and nine seconds it's not much it's like a few little notes but it's just this thing that's just like it uh, it gave me like a scarface vibe and i'm like that was Are you talking about when it's a little key change thing yes It wasn't like an intentional thing, but when you make music or or you you have a an understanding of music, when you're doing something, you kind of like, oh, that has a feel. And so I did kind of. There's a Power Glove song that has a moment like that off their their last record. You know, there's there's moments that like remind you of other things. So you're not you're the second person that said that to me, which I totally understand the part. You, it's not like. What? I don't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't secretly rip that off. No, I, I know. Like, there's a certain times people will hit like certain combinations of notes, and like, I don't, I don't even think it is intentional. But it was. Isn't it like Tony's theme? It has that feel, and I think when I was working on that little part, it gave me that feel. You know, of that, and and I, I I'm sure that kind of crossed my mind. That kind of it, the Scarface has that like choir, like the oh, oh. right. You talking mm. about that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we on different planets here? No, no, we're... <laughs> no, because... <laughs> You're talking about the 1933 version? Yeah, 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 sorry. Scarface? <laughs> I'm talking about the right the upcoming here. remake. Ah, yes. Can't wait for that. There is no remake, is there? There has been a remake coming for, like, decades. Yeah. And, like, it just... I don't know how you can do that. Well, you can't. I don't but like the thing. The thing that these people like, you know, like let's make Back to the Future and like the '80s ones. I gotta say, like you're missing the point here. Like I understand that maybe it's easy to make these remakes. Like you own the property, you don't have to do too much original ideas and all that. But Scarface works, and and we like it because like it's 1983 and everything is so 1983 mm-hmm. in that movie. So if they're gonna make it current. It's just going to be boring and current vibes. What are going to people write about the the fashion of 2021 in the way that we like look at the weird 80s, like this saturated pop culture decade? You know what I mean? Like This is the thing that I I always wonder is what is going to be the thing? Because when we look back at different decades, there's sort of these like touchstone things we pull out and go like, oh, like I see like the 90s and I go oh yeah like flannel shirts and fucking like baggy jeans and women with like the dark lipstick makeup and straight hair like there's certain images like yeah and then nowadays I'm like what is the thing like the only thing I can think of culturally is people sitting on their phones flipping through TikTok memes I mean like what is this decade you won't know it like you're you're in the boiling water but I definitely think there's less identity kind of you know the last like 20 years or so it seems more like 70s 80s had like a vibe 90s like don't you think like the last like 20-ish kind of years it's like 
one decade feel well yeah because now that everything's like splintering off and everyone has their own like there's less of a shared culture i guess the only thing i can think of then is what is the stuff that like most people are looking at like what is the most popular show what is the most popular music but everyone seems to be in their own little zones i'm in my own little zone you know i mean once in a while we all kind of agree on something like is this decade gonna be defined by squid game i, I mean, was like- about to say that very <laughs> show that like seems like we all liked that show i waited till like just last week you know i kind of have that i admit it's like not a good character trait but if i if something comes like becomes just everyone's on the page Dude. all at once i kind of am like uh, well like i don't you know then i don't know about that and you know there were toys instantly i said shit. the exact same thing this is a funny conversation because i'm it's like i'm talking to a mirror right now well if you type in droid bishop look what pops <laughs> up and uh, you'll see what he is looking into a mirror um yeah i said this exact same thing because and i don't consider it i don't consider myself an edge lord like i don't dislike something because it's trendy because it's cool to not like cool things because sometimes the stuff that's trending is good the content is king we won't lie if it's good like if a joke's funny by a comedian i hate i will laugh because i can't lie about that shit you know and when it comes to this stuff the thing that bugs me is just if everyone was saying hey i saw this thing it's good you should see it that's different than everyone going have you seen squid game why someone told me to watch Squid Game or I see people memeing about Squid Game or I see these fucking YouTube videos about Squid Game. I'm like, then it's like, are we watching this because we have this collective understanding that this thing is good? Are we watching this because everyone else is watching this? And when it becomes that, then I back away and I'm just like, you know what? I'm not doing this. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's why I wait. That's why I was kind of like in that mindset of like, there's so many reasons. Like, hey, I'm not going to watch this because everyone's watching it right now. And there were so many reasons to kind of just hold off. There were stupid reasons, almost childish. Like you didn't even listen to that band before they got popular. You know, like that kind of elitist (laughs) mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did watch it and I thought it was awesome and it made me think you know sometimes you don't want to you're trying to chill out when you watch something and you don't want to read subtitles all the time so you you fall into this trap of like not putting on foreign things but this reminded me of how many times foreign movies or content is just a lot better than what we've got over here a lot of times i think because they're relying on other things more storytelling more character development you know not saying this was like a small budget like character piece but i just thought it was a fascinating tale and and you start to realize like hey we're all people like everyone on this planet has a few similar core passions needs you know things that drive us as animal slash humans no you're right i mean it's when i have this feeling of not wanting to watch a thing that's trending it's not it's not about like I'm gonna hate a thing that's good to make myself stand out from the crowd because I watch big Marvel movies like I'm gonna watch the fucking Spider-Man movie like it's got all the bad guys from all the Spider-Man movies in it like I'm gonna watch the damn thing so there are certain things I will tune into that I already know I'm gonna watch you know like I already I already knew I was gonna watch James Bond it didn't matter how it was reviewed you know what I mean yeah, I'm gonna yeah, watch I mean, it you know of course and I can't even explain it but there's something just different about someone recommending something to you because it's good and they they sell it to you on the merits of the thing and then there's just something else about just seeing squid game is trending on Twitter yeah that makes me go fuck this like like I just don't I don't want to be 
part of the trend. I just want to. Well, it's kind of a cynical outlook that that I have, but I it, like I agree with you. I think it was more that like, well, if someone came and told me, like, which I did have friends tell me it was good, but you know, it seemed like it was that thing more like, well, everyone's just watching it because X person is watching, it, and it like became this dominoes thing, you know. But this happens a lot, and I forgot my train of thought. So you need to <laughs> reroute. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a song. And then we'll uh, we'll use that as a way to reboot because I want to listen to Love Across Time by Droid Bishop. Hit it. And that was Droid Bishop with the track Love Across Time. I feel like I got to clear my throat. <clears throat> I'm here right now with Mr. James, Droid Bishop James. 
I just realized How's it going? I, was, I was about to end that with your real last name, and so I was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." It's all right. I was adopted, and they never gave me one. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard subject for me to talk about. Did you see Midnight Mass? No, that was good. Uh, someone told me to watch it. Yeah, uh, uh, but I did think about my train, what I was trying to think of, and it was just kind of wrapping it up. And I'm trying to change this part of the cynical view I have on the world and people. But you know, in, in the Squid Games, why just waiting for my own time to watch it seemed like everyone was on this bandwagon blah 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 i feel like when something is that popular that i haven't seen or haven't had my own judgment yet i just have a cynical outlook of track record thinking like well like what the general public thinks is amazing i usually don't agree with and what i think is amazing doesn't see the light of day and so there's almost this cynical kind of like distrust for public opinion which i'm trying to dismantle that that mindset because it doesn't help me like trying to relate musically to people and, and for whatever reason but you know it it does make sense though i feel like we have been let down a lot by public opinion of what's uh, a plus material Yes. I mean, Big Bang Theory had 30 seasons. Uh, Sorry to any fan out there. Oh, God damn that show. One of these days, you know what would be really funny? Not that show. You and I uh, should do a series where this is we'll play a game, okay? The game will be this. We'll stream, we'll watch episodes of Big Bang Theory, and the first person to laugh has to pay the other person a hundred bucks, and then we see how many episodes of Big Bang Theory we can watch. In my quest for uh, happiness and more <laughs> of an optimistic view, I'd like to laugh. I'd like to for them to offer me laughter, you know? So, I'll take you up on that, and we'll see who laughs first. This is the thing. Sometimes people take... when I When I say like a similar sort of sentiment about like just being upset at trending things and stuff or or I make fun of Big Bang Theory. I know some people can take that as if I'm some cynical negative person who doesn't like stuff. And the thing that bothers me is it's like that's it's not that at all. I want to laugh. Like when people send me music to play on the show, I want it to be good every time. Right? Like I want to support art and I want to support things that are good. So what bothers me is it's sort of it's like the opposite of cynicism. It's like we should be supporting the stuff that's really good. You know, when I see really funny shows, when I see, like, clips from, like, Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something, like, super funny shit, it's just like, why isn't that the Big Bang Theory? Why isn't that the show that gets fucking 30 million views or whatever? Like, there is good stuff out there, and then it's just, like, the stuff that seems to, like, float to the top is just garbage, and then it's like, I'm the asshole for not liking it, even though, like, there is amazing stuff that people are overlooking. I think that way about the synthwave scene. Like, when everyone talks about, like, the hit songs or the stupid things that loop on TikTok when my wife's, like, flipping through it. I'm just like, why can't TikTok be full of 20-second samples of awesome fucking synthwave tunes? Then I would like TikTok, too, if I didn't have to fucking hear, like, oh, no, oh, no, like, you know what I mean? Like, if I could hear good music on TikTok, I'd be there all the time. I know, but, I mean, what I've just started to realize more and more every day, every year, is that majority rules... And I have to think in terms of if X content is bad or, you know, or good. It's just if I like it or I relate to it. And believe me, it's going against everything I'm, I've, I've known to think. Like, I, I think if something's bad, then it, that's bad. You know, I'm like, that's a bad song. But, but I, but I, I realize that it's just in the eye of the beholder. 
And that's like super cliched, but it really is. And I just feel like apples and oranges, maybe we're apples people, I don't know. And like the majority of the world are orange people, if that <laughs> makes sense. And I just feel like I'm this guy eating a fucking apple in the darkness over here. <laughs> Orange is falling from the sky. But the entertainment industry, like there's, see, this is the thing. I've been doing these shows with uh, Marco and Mike and Florence where we review 90s hits because I I really didn't like the 90s uh, mainstream hit music. I liked the early 90s stuff, like Nirvana and things like that, but uh, not really like 95 through 2000. I always just remember going like, because obviously there's music from the 90s I really liked. I mean, like fucking like Depeche Mode Violators, like an album I would still listen to and stuff. And there's all these things that were good, but I'm talking about what reached number one because like what reached number one was like Mariah Carey for like 13 weeks and then it was Boys to Men for 13 weeks and stuff like this. I'll state for the record, I like uh, those early 90s uh, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men jams. Just for my opinion, just right, wanted dude, to get well, that out there. But, I, uh, I do not. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Makes the world go around. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, like, my basic thesis now is not that the 90s stuff was necessarily bad, but that the stuff that reached number one was. And that's just because there's lots of factors at play yeah. to make a song a number one hit, and quality doesn't have to be one of them. You know, there's marketing forces, the song might be part of a hit movie soundtrack. A lot of things at play. And, yeah, I'd love to live in a perfect world where, like, Every movie that hits number one at the box office is there literally because it's a great film. Everyone who walks into that movie and walks out goes like, wow, what a moving experience. That was great. But that's not how it works. It's like, you know, there's big budget movies that just have a marketing budget of $300 million and like they're designed to be number one. Not number two, folks. No, number one. I mean, there's probably more reasons and I don't know if this is accurate, but I feel like it could be due to, you know, the 90s was this big buildup of massive height and sales and promotion and all this stuff like before Napster and the bottom fell out you know maybe they were just pumping more money into like Mariah Carey or, or like the you know less artists getting more promotion kind of thing I don't know yeah that's a good point like the studio is just hyper focused on specific talent than like spreading the love around that might be possible like placing money on secure bets but I don't know like I still feel like there's more artistry in the 80s number one one hits. Yeah, but they've been still been pumping out the sausage factory shit for years down in Motown and you know, I maybe maybe it culminated into this like total dark force into into the 90s, but I mean, there are in the 80s especially, there are some manufactured Oh, hits no doubt. Coming out. Yes. You're telling me like blame it on the Ritz. Those guys are uh, <laughs> artists. <laughs> Okay, Here, here's a way to think about it. That video terrifies me. Yeah, here's a, well, um, it's yeah. a creepy music video. <laughs> yeah, I like to watch the uncensored one because uh, they got rid of my favorite parts. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked about this. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Um, the way I think about it is in terms of, when you think about movies, right? Yeah, the 80s had popcorn studio movies. You know, this is like, this is going to be a hit movie, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And they pumped a lot of money into it. But when you look at the hit movies now, like the Marvel movies, for example, you clearly see a difference. Like, even though it's the same idea, we're talking popcorn Hollywood movies, in the 80s, they're taking these weird 
risks still. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Whereas you watch a Marvel movie now, it's like it's a formula down to the minutes, right? They know yeah, we're making know. a big budget movie. There's got to be an action film at the fucking eleven minute mark that lasts for fucking three minutes, then it ends with a fucking quirky joke, then it moves to this, and then the the movie trailer is completely formulaic and stuff and so that's where I sort of feel the same way about the the music where it was kind of like they started to see oh you can design something specifically to be a hit as opposed to just saying we're designing something to be a great album I get what you're saying but but at the same time it is taste and like I, I would get into these fights with uh, with Mike specifically because he's f- uh, four years younger than I am so he has more sort of nostalgia for 90s stuff than I do there's also a possibility that it's my personality where in the 90s, that was my, like, you know, late 90s is my awkward high school phase. Yeah. And so when I turn on the radio, and I, li- I lived in a small town, so I had to listen to basically country and pop music station. So it would be, like, country songs, and then they, they didn't even play, like, the more dancey pop songs. There's even some, like, Britney Spears and NSYNC they wouldn't play because it, like, wasn't country <laughs> enough, you know? But then I was listening to, like, Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails and, you know, Depeche Mode, and so that was the music I was listening to, and it wasn't reaching number one, right? No. What were you listening to, man? In what year? Uh, <laughs> 1996. 1996. I mean, there was a wave of, like, I was into 90s guitar music if you will so that's like you know a lot of the earlier things that i would learn on the guitar are simple chord stuff from green day nirvana a lot of this 90s grunge and pop punk kind of stuff smashing pumpkins very into that kind of grungy stuff at that time that was just the stuff kind of coming out in that time like live coming out in that era but of course i was still influenced by whatever my parents had been playing for years before that you know pink floyd Beatles, steely dan all this other jazz stuff or 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 funk michael jackson and but it was very kind of rock and roll kid Mm do you know what i mean i got more into electronic music to paint a picture like van halen jump you know that song like the keyboard and everything i've never heard it said van halen before that was an interesting pronunciation did i say van halen Shoot it in your vein, Van Halen. It's Van Halen, y'all. Yeah, jump. You yeah. like jump? Yeah. Okay. Well, you yeah. know the key, the, the keyboard and and Van Halen, Van Halen mm. keyboards are awesome to me now, mm. and it's very what I like to make too. A, a bit of proggy things, guitars with synths and all that stuff. But back in the day when I first got into hard rock, Van Halen and things like that, I didn't like keyboard sounds with band, with like rock music. Yeah. If that means like it sounded cheesy. I hated uh, like ripping keyboard solos in 80s music. Sometimes it sounded cheesy to me when I was very young for some reason. And now it's the exact opposite. But it really puts into perspective what certain people must hear when they hear my music or something similar in terms of like wow this just sounds like clown music synth clown sounds (laughs) like someone who only listens to rock or something like that must think what i do and what similar people do is horrible like you know they they must think it's because i know what certain sounds sounded like to me when i was a kid like oh it's a cheesy uh, keyboard sound or you know the, even like the doogie hauser e-piano sound like you kind of you would joke about these things a little bit when you're younger as like cheesy 80s you know it's funny though that, that sound i don't like that's one of the things so that turns get, me off. i don't i don't use that i don't use that sound that much it's kind of like the dx7 
sound. A lot of people do, and it, and it, and and I'm not gonna call anyone out, but it will instantly like you're you're going for that 80s sound. You nailed it with that. Like you can't get out of being 80s sounding with that sound. For me, I always actually really liked synth sounds, but I grew up watching like Doctor Who and stuff, and so I always liked weird synth music. And my parents had, like had like disco albums. You know, like I listened to fucking ABBA and uh, yeah. Bee Gees and shit. Well, those are cool synth sounds. Like I think because of the '90s, had kind of a weird, you know, even some like I'm not a huge fan of industrial '90s synth design sure if that makes sense like kind of you know earlier nine inch nails like i don't mind it but it doesn't give me that that like uh, feeling when i hear like a 70s kind of or early 80s keyboard there's a fatness to those those 80s ones i like like i like synth sounds but i like sounds that are can only be made by a keyboard you know what i mean like just weird those weird bass lines things that when you hear them you go i'm hearing synth music yeah in the 90s and I always associate this with Mariah Carey and those sort of things, but they always did that, like, where they're doing the synth piano. You know, like, in the 90s, yeah. there's a lot of, like, the keyboard as, which is just replicating real-world instruments. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like a piano quite. And it it just has this cheesy ring to it that when I listen to that stuff, it feels so cheap to me. So it's not necessarily, it's not the keyboard's problem, but there is that sort of DX7 uh, DX7 harpsichord piano kind of sound that plays in the background of a lot of like the you know this 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 R and B stuff slow jam stuff from like the nineties which I don't mind it now like I I, I still don't when I hear it that to me does that thing that you were talking about like when I hear that I go this is cheap but I'll listen to music from like the early eighties very simple keyboard things but if it's just a fat like bass sound from a keyboard or some cool sounding synth thing it doesn't sound cheap to me as those kind of 90s synths do yeah and i think it's about them trying to replicate real instruments but the the synthesis isn't quite there and so it just i i just would prefer it if they were playing a real piano than the fucking keyboard version yeah i mean like just any technology uh, you know, just like in the 80s, like, whoa, this gated reverb thing? Let's throw that over everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and then instantly now that does is like instantly timestamp your thing to like, hey, this was a product of what, like, you know, when you look back at like, er, like early mid 2000 movies, especially action movies so saturated oh yeah so saturated in color you know exactly what i'm talking about and they have waves of that too i feel like it came back in the mid 2000 teens as well a bit like which i'm not a huge fan of that kind of oversaturated look but i'm saying like you can you instantly know when something oh yeah when it's got that the music video look yeah and if you use too much of something that's going on right now like you know we talk about these things that like what's gonna lie what are we gonna look back at at 2021 and like what's gonna remain uh, like a mullet from the 80s just like you've kind of looked at those chart things from from over the years i've inadvertently like studied these patterns and and specifically in music patterns it's very rhythmically driven what type of hits are coming out over a space of time like for example when you had the 90s nirvana came out every band was doing that like beat the the but you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. like all these songs and in the mid like 1984 1986 tons of big hits had the dance with somebody uh don't you forget about me drumline dude 
boom, uh, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And like mid fucking 2000 or early 2000s when Coldplay and YouTube came out with like Beautiful Day and like Clocks, everyone, indie bands were doing the drum beats that were like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like these are all, <laughs> I know. I'm just, yeah, I like you know, how you always follow it with uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you fucking feel me over here? But yes, it makes sense. And you don't think about these things. I don't know if anyone else has thought about that. Like it seems pretty obvious. Like, and it seems strange that all these kind of hits and genre, it's not chord based. It's like all these songs are working because of that chords in it. It's all rhythmic based a lot of these patterns it seems to me mm. so for all you producers out there that are looking to reach number one and rip people off look at their beats and the rhythms and go from there yeah man well listen this is what i want to look for nope that's a bad segue look i want to listen to the streets <laughs> all right by droid bishop this one uh, the the singing gets stuck in my head on this one we'll t- we'll talk about it afterwards though. this is uh this is the streets by droid bishop
And that was Droid Bishop with the track The Streets. And I'm here catching up with Droid Bishop. Howdy. I love whenever I listen to this, just the way you go, <laughs> I'm running low one time again. And whenever I hear that, it always gets like stuck in my head and it makes me want to sing along. I hope that is a good thing. Well, it's good to make songs that are catchy, right? It is, as long as it's not at the expense of it becoming like candy-like where it's good, but then you like only after a couple bites and you're like done with it. Ah, you're too sweet. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, that's not what I'm saying, but... uh, That's what I'm I'm saying. Quite quite bitter. (laughs) You're too uh, sweet, James. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you run the risk of uh, when you're writing music. For me, it's natural to to want to listen to or write music that has the quality of, of being a real song with real merit and, and artistic value, but also being catchy. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't believe in this, this exclusivity of if it's catchy or poppy, it's not of merit. Like, Beatles songs two-minute catchy tunes, but they're, they're still valuable, like, little pieces of art, so... I don't know. You kind of always wanted to have some sort of sustaining catchability, if you will, but not where it's like annoying as fuck. Like, I like, I like how you took what I said to mean that I think your song is annoying. No, no, I don't. I don't I'll say I may think it's annoying already. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I battled with that one a bit and almost didn't put it on there. The kind of witching hour thinking about things overanalyzing but you know i put it i i i did a lot of work in there so i'm just like just put it out there and i've had some good feedback on that one it seems like certain people it's like their jam on the on the album so i'm glad for some people out there if they like it like yourself that i could deliver you this because you've put out you know these past few releases of yours have been these these solid like it, it always sounds weird to say. I mean, I know you you said this as well just now, and I'm going to say it again. And it's a weird thing to say to someone, but like you know, albums that feel like real albums. There's variety to the tracks, but there's a cohesiveness to them, and they feel like actual songs. Because sometimes, like there's synthwave artists who I really like, and they'll put out like you know like a 12 track thing, and it's all kind of synthwave, and it's good. But it, I don't know, it's weird. It's like when you hear just like 10 tracks in a row that are just sort of like samey but i don't even want to say that term you you get what i'm saying right and uh, and then very samey you don't have to sugarcoat it like <laughs> you know so it's not that the music's bad necessarily but it's also like it doesn't need to be an album as well because it's sort of like oh it's just like 11 songs that are cool or whatever yeah i feel like you've uh done a good job putting out albums that feel like oh they're albums like i, I like the way the songs sort of flow into each other and i still like the the last one music like i listen to some of those tracks like a lot it's a lot of fun the fucking and when you started introducing more of that kind of like rat-a-tat guitar style oh for sure like that song's great there's a whole bunch of great songs i appreciate it and uh, and this one carries on that tradition well i mean it, i you know appreciate the kind words and sentiment and they they feel very kind of uh sister albums if you will you know sometimes you get a band or someone you listen to and you kind of see like oh those two kind of go together like they must have been in a similar place mm-hmm. if that makes sense and and i like having a few uh things like that from my favorite bands and things like oh i've got like two or three solid albums from this era that are like good and and who knows i'm 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 already working on new stuff and kind of i'm not going in a different direction per se but just kind of working on different production styles working on different drum sounds and i feel like i've done three albums in a row and just kind of want to put out maybe focus on 
smaller, like an EP or, or singles and just kind of focus on just putting out like bangers, if you will, yeah. rather than like trying, like I've done albums for now and seeing what I can do, pushing less more, if that makes sense. Okay. So this, this is sort of a cynical thought I've been having lately. And I, I have raised this with other artists is I'm wondering just from a purely financial point of view, if it makes more sense to, instead of making an album, just release like a single once a month or something, if you would, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? Because like, you know, you put all this work into an album and then you sell it for 10 bucks or whatever, or seven bucks or whatever. And then you know all the work you did to make all of those tracks and then sell this thing. But then you know you can always sell a single for a dollar or there's that in the instrumental for a buck fifty or whatever. And then if you just kind of have this steady stream of singles, I wonder if it would work out to be make more money that way. Most likely, financially speaking, and probably in a lot of other ways speaking, it's better to do singles and things like that, which why I'm kind of focusing on that for those reasons too, but also musically, there's less pressure. I, I find that sometimes I do really good work when I'm doing like just a one-off remix for someone because mm-hmm. it's just like this one thing I'm focused on and I'm like, I'm going to make this the best thing I can make right now rather than like, you've got nine more of these to do, like uh, maybe save that part for this thing over here and uh, all that shit. But going back to what you're saying, I do agree and that it's probably more lucrative and just a more viable thing to do singles and, and or, or EPs and push those things. But I'm an artist and I grew up on albums, so I wanted to, I want to put out albums too. And money is, is such a fucking fake thing to me, even though it's real. And I understand that and I'm not a psycho. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I know it's real, but it's not in a sense too but the music we hear is and uh you know there's no inflation on music sounds and what you think like it's just whatever you know that's a whole other conversation but i don't do this for money i I want i want to have success and all that and you you need to spend money to make money and, and invest in yourself and i'm not a fool and i do and i do make you know i pay a lot of my bills through droid bishop and spotify streaming and merch and so it's been good to me and but like I said, I want to focus more on on pushing out a couple like, you know, focusing on this single for this month or two and, and pushing that out, finding new avenues to like promote. And, you know, I'm kind of it's almost coming up on 10 years. I feel like I've, I've come a long way, but I'm also have like bars that I, I set for myself and trying to trying to get to more people, more ears and take it to the moon. Yep. You know <laughs> Well, I do think of the artists in the synthwave scene, like I I do feel like your music has when I listen to it, I feel like this could this can go mainstream, I believe. Cuz there's certain stuff that I believe me, like I I live for this fucking synthwave music. Like I love this stuff, right? But there are certain times where I'm listening to a song, I'm saying this is really great. This would be great in a movie, right? That's why synthwave is so cool because it inspires me to be creative visually and stuff like that because I picture how cool would a movie be with this song playing in the background while this scene was going on. Yeah. And then there's artists who make music where I go, this this could be popular music. Like people this could be playing on the radio, right? Like people could be going, "Did you hear this song?" I feel like Droid Bishop 
Especially, I mean, especially with your last album, like when you started branching out more into like, you know, when you started singing more and sort of adding more sounds and sort of uh, textures to the music and stuff that when I listen to it, I'm like, this to me is just as good as the stuff that people are, you know, like the, the mainstream stuff. Like it's, there's fucking dancey hooks, you know, like if people want to do fucking stupid TikTok challenges and dancing, I'm like, why don't they do this to fucking Droid Bishop tracks, man? Like this, this fucking good shit. I appreciate that. And it works on that level. And it also works on the level of making me happy because it's also cool music. Well, I mean, that's the goal. And like I was saying before, the marriage between pop music and, and art, you know, my favorite artist is Michael Jackson. And I, and I think for the most part, that's like everyone got on the same page and was like, we all like this person. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's very rare. You know, I'm not going to say that like, that's me but that's something that's inside me of something i uh, that's like a mission statement it's like innate in me to make something as viable as possible but also like to stimulate people as well i think like i know i'm looking for more stimulation from content whether it's visual or audible things and i just feel like that's my goal to kind of reach that you know like you just said it's could be mainstream but it's making you happy because you're you know not like the average person right you're not some like joe schmo like you're gonna you know like kind of the common man agrees with like the majority of people you know we're kind of similar people we have marched a little bit to our own drummer beat and so to kind of get more people to agree on something and to come together is good on so many reasons i think so yeah and let's come together right now and listen to some awesome music all right let's listen to some more droid bishop i want to hear this one this is uh automation by droid bishop
And that was Automation by Droid Bishop. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now. And we were uh, we were just talking about uh, good art and achieving success. And uh, and when I think about, you know, some of the more talented artists in the synthwave scene, and I just think if they had the marketing budget and, like, all of a sudden a million people were, like, exposed to this music that is just as good quality-wise, better in my opinion because of the melodies and instrumentation and stuff like that, that it would also be music that people would like. It is that, I feel. like, uh, And it is I've, I have the beholder stuff, you know, like, I, I like what I put out there and I think some people do and... But I do fully believe that if there was some way, and like money was not an object, like if there was some way to have whatever the amount of people on earth is, seven something billion, mm. some way for every one of them to hear like my best track or something, I'm going to find ears that I wasn't finding before that are like, wow, how, how haven't I heard this? This is exactly what I kind of want to hear. You know, like if you were given an opportunity, are you telling me I couldn't walk away with like, a few more thousand fans yeah you know, no of like, course and i can tell like i listen to some stuff and i go like i can also use my wife as a litmus test sometimes because she's not really into the synthwave stuff like i am so i can always it's always interesting like sometimes i'll, I'll have music playing on the speaker and and i'll see what catches her attention do you know what i mean and and then i know okay so maybe this could be a thing like i just put on like the new jay diggs album that he put out yeah you hear that and it's like mainstream like it's it's got that sort of appeal and so she walks in while it's playing it's like oh what's this i'm just like okay so i get it like so i you can sort of see the artist that can sort of pop off but i i do feel that way and i don't think i'm being um biased you know when when i then there's certain artists i listen to and when i listen to your music I'm like it could it could have that same appeal like I I know it could it's just like it sucks that we're stuck in this stupid thing where you know these super famous artists who are fine you know Billie Eilish is fine but you know there's millions of dollars making her everywhere and like whenever I turn on YouTube and there's always something reminding me that she's there and I'm just like why can't YouTube be reminding me of (laughs) Like lesser known artists who deserve that time is. I'll text you more and remind you that I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> Andy, I'm here. <laughs> no, I get, I get it. But it's also, also for me that that might not be for me. But if that's making a bunch of people happy, like I'm not trying to take that away from someone. But I do have, I do have a feeling of like I just want to be given some more shots. I just want to be like I know that I work hard on what I do and I admit that in order to do what I do and, and to in order to make music that I think is good or the best that I can do I almost have to come from a place where it's like I, it's delusions of grandeur yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> like like the the song I'm playing or working on it's it's so important and like it's going to change the world or it's going to make someone feel good or this is the one that's going to you know put me over the edge I think about that not like it's it's natural it's not like fake but i'm also aware sometimes that you know maybe this will just be another like small synth wave album that gets a little bit of notoriety here and there but you you have to kind of have that delusion of grandeur thing if you're gonna do anything in life worth value value you know yeah i mean i feel that way too like when i when i make stupid videos and i just look at I'll sit there and put all this work into a thing. I'm like, okay, I'm laughing at this. I know this is funny. And then I see what gets millions of views. Just lazy, like, here's a pretty girl reacting to TikTok videos. And she gets, like, fucking, like, 8 million views. And it's like, 
okay, well, I know I'm doing something better than this. Like, I'm actually producing original content. But are you? Because they're getting the likes. I know. And, you know if a tree <laughs> fucking falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, like, it, it, this that's what drives me mad. Like, am I, del- are we delusional? Like, is that piece of art that you're working on, your video, your your VFX that, that you look and you're just like, this is awesome. And are we looking at something through beer goggles and like, we're not seeing the like, terrible piece of art well i acknowledge that you know synthwave is a niche scene i acknowledge that i'm a weird guy and i make things that i know like are not for everybody but i know there's more audience out there for this stuff like i just there just is i'm i'm not saying it's like the, the super mainstream one but like when i watch these stupid tiktok reaction videos dude like these people don't even add anything to what they're watching they literally just tell you what they're looking at it's like I'm going to watch a bunch of TikTok fails and you sit there. Oh, yeah, he slipped. Oh, yeah, that guy totally slipped, though. And then they just watch another thing. I'm like, why is this getting millions of views? Like, I could have just watched these myself. Like, this is adding nothing. I I know. I I don't know, Andrew. But but I'll tell you that when I see your clips that I've like that you've put effort into, there's VFX and, and, you know, voiceover stuff. Most of the time, I feel like the intention is humorous. I've always fucking thought they were hilarious. You know know what I mean? Like, I've always liked your videos to a degree of, like, whether this is egotistical. I just mean in the things that we like. I I know it's fucking funny, and that's funny. And a gang of other people would think that's funny. Like, if you were... If the same thing I was saying was, was to you, like, you had seven billion views, like, I'm sure a million people would love you. At least. Do you know what I mean? Like, out of the... Like, a million people would think that's funny. And the thing is, too, like, I don't have... And this is probably the same for, like, a lot of people. Like, I don't have any um, crazy, like, fame aspirations or anything. I've always just wanted to, like, if I could live comfortably, I look at... There's some podcasts I listen to where they're like popular enough you know they've they've had television careers and things like this but i bet you know maybe their podcast gets like a hundred thousand listeners or two hundred thousand listeners it's enough to like you have a salary from it you can get advertising from it but you can still walk around the street and not get recognized but you get to do your art and live and that's kind of where i want to be like i don't need a gold mansion i don't need the fucking rocket car it's like you know what if i can like pay all of my bills with this thing if i have enough money coming in where i can hire like an assistant editor and uh you know like an assistant to read emails and stuff like that you know like just a small little company of you know like seven people or something you know like when you watch some youtube channels where they they're on mic but they've got like three or four people behind the the thing working stuff i'm like that's kind of like that's all i really want a reputable like small business kind of yeah like where it's just like you know it's enough that and you know you get to live comfortably like you don't have to live in a shack you can live in a nice house but it's like it doesn't have to be gold i don't have to be like rolling around in caviar or whatever like just just comfortable just have the things we need and yeah employ some people the money's like you know no one's gonna turn down millions of dollars if they're handed to us but i will i have too much integrity well you know i'll be like where's this money coming from is this blood money is this fucking blood diamonds you were better than andy last (laughs) last man standing but uh i mean i get that and i I battle between like because i i do think i'm blessed and lucky to have x amount of dollars come in from this electronic project that i started Mm. kind of from a nerdy place in my mind but 
you know, like the whole vanity side of things, like fame and, and, and whatever. It seems the older I get too, it seems like pretty headachey for a lot of people. Mm. And I would be okay with the more humble, you know, as long as you can pay your bills and all this stuff and, and be doing what you want to do. I vibe with that, but there is part of me that wants, like, it's not a fame thing, but it's a respect thing. And it's more like, I don't want to be like noticed on the street and all that stuff, but more respected by other musicians. Right. Like kind of, you know, the jazz dudes, like not rich at all, but like some dudes walk into a club and they're like, that guy's a fucking legend. Yeah. 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 It's more like a respect, mutual respect thing, which leads to opportunities. You know, like I want to score movies, do other things. And, and I feel like the mutual musician artist respect kind of brings more of that stuff so i think fame is kind of a weird weird thing you know and must be really fucking hard for a lot of people who are like super famous yeah no it seems like a pain (laughs) in the ass like i wouldn't want that though maybe back in the day but like you know i i feel like today everything is micro monitored and you can't get away with anything or say like it just seems like a real pain in the ass to have everything you say monitored on a large scale so fuck yeah that. plus you don't you know. i mean the the big secret here is you don't have to say any of this stuff publicly <laughs> like well that's the, the, thing, that's the like, thing that always it, finds funny too when when people do get in trouble and then you're like is it he said this thing and he tweeted this thing out and then like got in yeah. trouble i'm like you didn't have to tweet that thing though like you could have just not well, i'm even i'm even thinking that for myself too like just because i think something or have an opinion doesn't mean i need to share it like you know i, mm-hmm. I have a, i ha- have had more cynical bad habits of of just commenting on things like pop up on tv like well this guy wouldn't fucking be doing that in real life if he had the, you know what i mean i'm like why am i fucking talking yeah it's a terrible tv show that doesn't matter like why do i why am i arguing with tv yeah, no, it's, like, I stopped, yeah, pretty much now, my my social media is pretty much just promotion of the podcast. Very rarely will I ever say anything, because obviously, too, like, a lot of social media is just people bitching, and it's like, do I want to add to this? Although I did publicly say I got my refund or GTA or whatever, but, uh, yeah, but they deserve but, that, because that company fucking rips some people off, man. Like, that was... Well, even, even so, and I was going to say to that uh, example of, like, the GTA thing, I really have to, like, just hold my tongue about any anything that I might think is even this is just comical and this won't be construed in the wrong way and wrong it will be oh yeah don't try it do you know what i mean like just don't so like it's just people misunderstand so many things and it's just frustrating for me it just makes me want to like not do anything or talk to anyone because it's like you just say something and you're just shut down and you're like i didn't even fucking mean any like you that's you your brain is telling you what i said so yeah that's why we need to sit here and listen to Into the Abstract by Droid Bishop. Never come back.
Droid Bishop with the track Into the Abstract. And I'm here catching up with Droid Bishop. I always enjoy these sort of mellow sci-fi vibe tracks. They make me happy. Oh, for sure. You picked uh, you picked good tracks tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll back your track pickage up. Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, you never know what someone's going to relate to, but I think uh, you chose well. Well, that's what I like to hear. Although when you listen to the show, I'm just going to substitute every song for just color and data. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it doesn't matter. Just Wilhelm screams. <laughs> uh, you obviously know what I'm talking about, right? I would be embarrassed if you didn't. But uh, the Wilhelm scream? Is that a joke? It's like one of the things I complain about the most on okay, this show. Okay, okay. Exactly. I just had to make sure. You never know. But funny enough, <laughs> my, my girlfriend has totally Ooh, picked girlfriend. up on the Wilhelm scream thing now that I've told her about it a couple of years ago. Mm. And it's taken me almost you know a few years to finally that sound to be like, and now she'll point her out. She'll be like, Wilhelm scream. And it's like, you know, this nice little thing that I can share with, uh, you know, lack of a better phrase, a kind of a, a movie civilian, if you will. <laughs> She knows it. I'm not gonna. I fucking dude. I used to love the Wilhelm scream when it was like a fun Easter egg before we even knew the word Easter egg. And then now it's just why do people do it? It's just like just like a rite of passage, man. But it's a surefire way to take me out of any sequence. Only because you know, like I'm telling you. But now everybody knows. The like the Wilhelm scream is is the most overused nonsense thing. The people that you talk to know. Like, hey man, your girlfriend knows only because I told her. <laughs> but I'm either way, you might be right, you might be wrong, but uh, that's not going to stop me from making a Wilhelm track where I put it every two seconds <laughs> in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when I, I didn't know what the Wilhelm scream was when I first used to get into IMDb, mm. like you know. T- 15 years ago looking in trivia constantly and it was like wilhelm scream like it always be like in parentheses i'm like what the hell is that and i at first thought because i must have been reading some star wars thing mm-hmm. i first thought that it was referring to the the empire's like fighter jets you know that like kind of like oh right yeah, yeah 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 and i was like oh that's a wilhelm scream huh yeah see i think because i i noticed it but I always used to think it was an inside joke of Lucasfilm because you, you was in the Star exactly. Wars movies and it was in exactly. the Indiana Jones That's films. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Something like that. And so. then when it started to go in other movies and then it gets ridiculous. I know like in the extended edition of Lord of the Rings, there's some where they do the Wilhelm scream twice in the film because the movie's so long. That's too much. It's too much. It's, it's too much. Flick. We need a new one. And I've been saying this for years. It needs to be the scream that Sully makes in the movie Commando oh, when, when Arnold him. says, I lied, and drops him off the cliff. Yeah, that's a good one. And Sully's like, woo woo and like that's, that's a good one actually that's th- that should be the new Wilhelm scream like if I become a Hollywood director which I won't it's a Sully scream yeah man <laughs> it's amazing I love Sully's scream it's so good so that's that that's my message for 2022 we need more Sully screams less Wilhelm and less Wilhelm screams that's my political uh yeah I'm a fan of Wilhelm I'm sticking with it well, my boy fine, then don't vote for me, man, because I'm all about the Sully scream. You know what? I'm running against you. <laughs> for whatever it is, I don't care. <laughs> I oppose you. That would be really funny. What sort of circumstance would have to happen in the world I, for you and I to end up facing off against each other <laughs> in the political landscape? I don't know, but I look forward to it. <laughs> it seems like we're headed for any sort of... Uh, That's true. ...anything can happen, you know? Yeah. The president? Yeah, the- <laughs> 
I just look forward to making the attack ads. James Bowen thinks it's cool to just sit around and punch <laughs> women's faces. Andy Lass says that's wrong. Vote for me. You finally tell everyone my 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 real name. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know the dirt. Everyone. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. <laughs> you think he's James Bowen. <laughs> you should make You should make that. That's your next project. There should be a fake campaign. <laughs> see if anyone figures it out or not. But, uh, I mean, I've got time. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, what are you going to do with that time, man? We're wrapping up. Well, I don't have time right now, actually, because i got to go. But uh, in terms of life, I've got plenty of time. Well, tell me... Um, uh, uh, tell me what's next for Droid Bishop. I do have a little Christmas jam coming out, and uh, I was meaning to do something like last year, and, and you know, I just put out the album, and I just thought like, hey, don't let it get away this year, and so I kind of put together a little instrumental track of like a Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, I checked out that public domain list, and I liked what I saw. <laughs> so as far as the good Lord is concerned, Droid Bishop wrote this track that's what that's what i was supposed to do you know filling out these forms wait there's a list of public domain tracks yeah yeah where's that and uh so i expect a happy birthday cover coming soon (laughs) seriously though where is Uh, that list well it's online but uh my distributor had uh the list inside the site too to make sure like everything was on the up and up um so but you can check out public domain songs or anything really and you know it's not it's not something i i, I want to get into because i write my own tunes but it was good to know there were some things in here that you could get into and maybe i'll do a christmas tune every year or something and and build up a little album worth and get me in a little santa hat and i'll pose nude on the cover nice that's what people want to see vinyl yeah like the little george costanza boudoir photos <laughs> with like the Santa hat on. <laughs> Did you watch any of the um, Netflix versions of Seinfeld? Are they like greenier or something? They Well, they cropped it. They did the thing where it's high definition, but they zoomed in the frame to make it widescreen. That's weird. Which I always find that distracting. Well, it seemed weird because I just watched them on Hulu. I, I've I watched I've seen these episodes so many times, like you know, it, yeah. like on different formats, blah blah blah. Like it looked good on Hulu. It looked normal, kind of TBS syndication vibes. And I turned it on Netflix a couple weeks ago, and it first came on, and I was like, granted, I turned it on like a big screen TV, mm-hmm. but it looked so. It looked like someone had like pressed like grain or like noise level f- like four on like you know photoshop or anything it like looked so grainy they did shoot it on film so it is real hd but whenever they do these conversions they then they choose to change the aspect ratio and then it means they're changing the way the show is framed and so they they did the same things with the simpsons on disney plus they made it widescreen and then it literally like ruined some of the jokes like off camera there's the one where homer goes to duff brewery yeah and then you see the three big things that are pouring beer and then the camera zooms out to show that it's actually all coming from one pipe and then it just like splits into three mm. and then in the disney version it doesn't zoom out because it's in widescreen so you just lose the joke that all the beer is coming from a single pipe like that's one of the jokes and and then i think it doesn't affect seinfeld as much but there's still some framings where i'll have to check it out because i am re-watching it on netflix right now so like i'll, I'll and i know that show like the back of my hand yeah. so if i see something like hey that's where's that guy's hand where it's like in the shot you know yeah it's all it's just weird to me because i'm like look man 
these shows were filmed in a square. Like they're designed to be square. Like just so even if just put it in a square. Yeah. Cause I remember the, the first show I ever saw that did this was Baywatch. Mm. I tuned into Baywatch on Amazon Prime. And it was really weird because I'm like, why are we not seeing cleavage? Like, I thought the whole point of this show was cleavage. And because when you frame it in widescreen, you cut the cleavage off. Yeah, well. And then whenever they do a close-up of a person's face, it's really weird because you're like, why are there these shots where it just does this close-up of David Hasselhoff where it's like his eyebrows down to like the top of his mouth? Like, it's just a weird, it's a weird framing. Oh, weird. So, <laughs> you know, just saying like some things got to be in a square. Don't even get me started on like the content battle of you know of like platforms with their in credits and things like that the 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 things that they push you for like their promotion oh, or yeah. like up next do this it's like dude the movie's not over i'm trying to read these credits like i know this is you know whatever like first world problems who gives a fuck but i find it just disrespectful i'm like i'm watching this movie and these names are on here it's credits and like this happens on other things too you know like just just all these boxes uh, all over it's like bro there's bloopers in this credit right now like get that shit out of my fucking screen (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm trying to watch these blade runner bloopers some asshole has a job that timestamps that thing and he didn't think that it was important he's like no the credits are up i don't care about these bloopers timestamp and put three boxes up there the other day i was watching a show that has like a one second title sequence and then literally the stupid skip title button appeared and it's like you mean skip the four seconds that this word is on screen title yeah just the title (laughs) what are you asking me to skip no it frustrates me too because i'm a big fan of cliffhangers and i like sometimes when you when you watch the end of a show it plays a certain piece of music and that adds to the atmosphere of like you know they end on a cool moment it's playing a cool song and then it cuts to black and you want to sit with it and then when you're watching on netflix it's like they don't even let you sit with the song because if you don't make a choice then they go like next episode's coming up in 12 seconds that's what i'm saying like to me that's like someone turning your song off like when there's 30 seconds to go and Mm -hmm. being like cool next one and it's like dude i i'm paying for this service I like movies, so uh, I want to see the movie. So this is the type of stuff that I'm trying to like not care about. And But you know what? Someone has to care about it or it will never change. Well, I care, damn it. And I also care about cool music. So how <laughs> about we listen to one more track and then we'll uh, say goodbye. So here's a nice uh, slow tempo one to sort of wind things down. This is Return From Tomorrow by Droid Bishop.
And that was Return From Tomorrow by Droid Bishop. And we're just winding down and talking about the widescreen transfer of Seinfeld on Netflix. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I digitized my DVDs and I still think those look fine. And when I see them in a different format, like it just feels wrong to me. It's widescreen and the words are in high def and they're sort of in a different placement on the screen because it's widescreen now. And it just all feels like this is weird. It's it's very subtly different, but it's too different. I don't know. Man. No, it's it's uncanny. It's an uncanny thing or something. I totally feel you. But I, I, I got I'm getting used to the graininess at least. But I'm going to I didn't even realize that they cropped it. I'm going to have to look at that. But something felt weird. That's all I know. That's like, what it is. Weird. Because I've seen every episode. No joke. 20 times at least like I literally I think I just randomly watched the the fucking library books one again man and dude that show is gold like that show is just fucking solid gold on oh, the fucking clowns the stupid <laughs> you still afraid of clowns yeah 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 Pagliacci <laughs> that show I was watching it you know the other day on Netflix looking at this grain and some joke came up about you know uh, when George finally gets taken to the, the mental home and like that chick shows up you know like that's always wanted him in the mental home and like her, her dad like worked on his LeBaron like like four seasons back you know it was like this show rewards its fan base by like if you watch this show and you know the show you're gonna get jokes that are like tied into like five seasons ago some character comes back and it's so rewarding oh, it's yeah. so like more than just like episodic you know one show to a next you can just kind of like laugh it off and i know there's plenty of people that don't like the show and don't get it but i think that is a huge part of getting it that's why i stay around so long it's just like this woven uh net of just like jokes and storyline and character building that is just like nine seasons of of gold yeah no yeah. seinfeld is 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 one of the best and it still is this it's one of the very few shows that makes me laugh just thinking about it i know like when i think about the stupid image of fucking kramer's head on the turkey oh yeah i just hey, laugh buddy. hey buddy hey buddy with the stupid <laughs> the arm it makes me laugh so hard just thinking about any expression i don't know why it's just and any time the other day too i'm thinking like is this the year that i'll no longer find it funny or something do you know what i mean like i i think that sometimes like am i gonna turn this on and not like think and and of course not like i just I laugh harder and like a child almost more than other things. I don't know why. It's like an old friend that you just yeah always laugh with when they come around. Dude, yeah. I Seriously, man. I That Pagliacci one. <laughs> Kramer's reaction for the fucking... Are you still afraid of clowns? The look on Kramer's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... Oh, my God. It's still... It's so dumb. And... Yeah, that's the thing because I, I feel like I'm I'm in the minority with with a lot of people I know who like Seinfeld because I actually really like the goofiness of the last three seasons. No, I did, they're my favorite to be honest. They're like so post Larry David, yeah. if you will. Even though I love Larry David, yeah, it's 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 that that paradox of like once that's he true. left, it just the fucking goofiness and just the <laughs> I broke his thumbs. I fucking yeah. Kramerica? Anyway, we can't go down this road. Yeah, Seinfeld. Uh, I thought. I think we joked about starting a podcast of Seinfeld sometime because we could literally just do that. Maybe we will do that. Yeah. But for now, I must 
bid you a farewell? Well, listen, man, it's always nice to catch up with you. Oh, yes. Pleasure is all mine. And uh, and the album's great. People should go check it out. Yes, check out everything Droid Bishop. Support me. Pay my bills. Yeah, man, he needs bills. Or he pays bills. I don't bills. need bills. Yeah. I don't want bills. They have to be taken away from me. <laughs> he's got his... Payments. He's got his credit card bills, his automobiles, those things, they got to be paid. I owe some very dangerous people a lot of money. <laughs> And who knows, by the time this episode airs, uh, maybe there'll be a Christmas track. Exactly. Anyway, uh, Andrew, I hope you find yourself uh, in just a, a happy space in your life. Thank you. And um, if I don't speak to you before the holidays, I hope you have a joyous holiday season. I know you don't really celebrate Thanksgiving up there because it has nothing to do with your culture. Well, no, we have but, Thanksgiving uh, earlier than you do. Uh, we already had ours in October. It's so strange. We call that Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Canadian Halloween is different. Yeah. <laughs> we we go down to the dam and we feed beavers peanuts. Ah, uh, very Canadian. Yeah, man. That can't be real, is it? I wish it was real. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun, actually. We all dance underneath the maple tree and uh, the maple syrup pours down on us as we take our clothes off. So Canadian. Yeah, man. Well, it's like, you know, Australians, uh, they're just running around in the, you know, in the kangaroo pouches. That's what I got asked when I... People don't know I'm from that country originally. And when I was a kid, you know, kids are so stupid that they're just like, you guys ride around in kangaroos over there? <laughs> like, I'm talking like nine-year-old kids yeah, yeah. are asking me that. <laughs> nine-year-old. But you were, though, right? I did ride around. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You just toss the joey out and then you hop in yeah. its place? I'm like, do you know how much, like, goop is in there, bro? <laughs> like, dry. It's like, yeah, it's just a dry ride to school. <laughs> it's just a dry ride. <laughs> Well, but anyway, we'll leave it on the dry ride. All right, man. And uh, we'll we'll do this again sooner than later. I don't want a year too long to catch up. And, you know, even just uh, stopping by to say hello, a little quick sound bite, let me know anything. Yeah, man. I'll wear pants this time. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my one request. No pants. No pants. But anyways, man, you uh, you have a lovely day and we'll we'll talk soon. You too. Take care, everyone out there. Bye. All right, and that was my conversation with Droid Bishop. I always enjoy catching up with him, and I hope you all enjoyed that. And I'm going to try and work as hard as I can to keep the show on schedule for next week, so we'll see what happens. Wish me luck. I guess I literally have to, like, the second this episode renders, I'm going to have to go right back into the editing suite and start editing next week's show. And, uh, of course, we are hopefully going to do a look at Christmas, but I will tell you, behind the scenes, this thing has been a bastard to organize, okay? I'm not gonna lie. It has been very difficult. So look, thanks for listening to the show. Tune in next week. Of course, I would like to thank Christian Quello for helping me with the episode descriptions and artist links. It is uh, very, very helpful, and he's a cool guy. I want to thank Ian Bertlein for doing the Instagram artwork. You know, whenever I post the social media posts of the show, uh, Ian has been doing the artwork for me. Of course, Mike Mendoza, aka Modern Night, because we we play his jingles on the show and Ethan who we met last week for helping me with the Beyond Synth database so thank you all for assisting you are all cool and of course to my awesome Patreons and PayPals tune in next time to Beyond Synth the best synthwave chat show there is and uh, see in hell I guess I don't know <laughs> alright bye thanks for
Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.